0: Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources.
1: All right, welcome back to the Brain Mastery Podcast. Today's episode, we're speaking with Josh Davis, who's a physiotherapist and owner of First Step Physical Therapy, really throughout the United States, but with a focus sort of in Georgia and New York at this point, but probably growing and expanding. If I know anything about about Josh, he's always thinking, how can he further his impact? So, Josh is coming to us. Whereabouts are you today? Are you in Marietta? Are you in Atlanta? Whereabouts are you? I'm in Fayetteville, just south of Atlanta. Just south of Atlanta. So, Josh is a really curious mind around, you know, helping people to improve their health through good evidence-based therapy. So Josh, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, hundred percent. Anything I missed in
0: your introduction there? I think you about covered it. You know, first step, we have three clinics around the Atlanta area, and we just opened one in Buffalo, New York in the last year. So getting it up
1: and going, we're about a, a year old there in, in New York. Wonderful. That's great. Well, Let's get right into it, then. You know, here's Josh. He's a physical therapist. He's somebody. He's a he's a proud University of Georgia alum, and is somebody that is really doing some innovative things in the in the physical therapy and and rehab health world. So, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about what got you into physical therapy? Sure. So, I initially got
0: into physical therapy with an injury to myself. I was playing soccer in high school for a club team. Tore my ACL, medial meniscus. Had to go through the the sur- you know, I had multiple surgeries on the knee, and then multiple rehab steps along the way, and really that's what got me into just healthcare in general, and really looking at okay, what part of my rehab process made the biggest impact on me, and really it was my physical therapist. That was the one I was with three days a week, you know, for a full hour, and running through you know all the exercises and strengthening and ranges of motion and getting rid of inflammation and all that kind of stuff. And it really got me involved
1: in, you know, and really interested in physical therapy. Wonderful. That's such a great message. And it's really, I I find quite common I hear in this space with with the real leaders. They're like, they have that lived experience that someone was that agent of change for them. And then they wanted to be more of that as as they kind of progress through their careers. For our listeners, then here's somebody who, you know, runs multiple clinics, physiotherapy-based clinics and specializes in helping people with specialized treatment. What's your main message for people that might be listening? These could be physical therapists themselves. They could be general practitioner doctors. These could be people that might be looking to improve their health. When we think about this term brain health, what's your main message in that? Given your lens in this work, which is really quite a specialized and unique lens. Sure. And really the biggest, the main message that I want to get
0: out there is something I want to break down the barriers of. We're looking at, you know, when you're looking at brain health, you're looking at physical health as a physical, you know, speaking from the physical therapy side, I really see a lot of like silos in in the healthcare field. And you, you talk just physical therapy alone, like just break out just physical therapy, you know, you have orthopedic physical therapy, which is what, you know, I said, got me into the physical therapy space to begin with. And then you have neurologic physical therapy. And really, those two things have been siloed for so long. When you're looking at orthopedics, you're looking at, you know, doing manual therapy, therapeutic exercise type things. And when you're looking at neurophysical therapy, you're looking at neuro re-ed with patients and therapeutic activities with patients, right? Trying to improve functional mobility. And The thing that I've noticed from a lot of physical therapy in general, you don't see a lot of overlap of those things. And really, that's one of the things that we're trying to do at First Step is, you know, I tell every because my my background is in orthopedics, right? I went to a a manual therapy based school in St. Augustine, learned all the manipulations and all the, the ortho techniques and the therapeutic exercise things. And now I'm in the neuro space where I'm actually applying those techniques to neurologic patients, because a lot of these guys are coming to us with orthopedic dysfunctions to begin with that are keeping them from doing the functional mobility and having good gait patterns and improved balance and all those types of things. So really, we have to look at the orthopedic before we can address the neurologic and working those things hand in hand. And I see the same type of thing with brain health right? And especially from the physical therapy side, because, you know, we're, we're again, looking at the gait, the balance, the mobility, and really not not grasping onto that cognitive piece that's so important with a lot of our guys that are coming in with, you know, post-strokes, you know, with brain injuries and other cognitive dysfunctions, that we don't need to have that silo anymore, right? We, we want to be able to pull the The cognitive health, you know, clearly evidence-based cognitive rehab, along
1: with the physical therapy that we're already doing. Well, and I mean that I think you hit on a really important point: is that each patient that comes to you is really looking for that help, and each person when they come, if they're combated against or they're met with silos, then they if if a person is in need of both the orthopedic and the neuro what do we do right that, that that's got to be pretty problematic for for people in your space prior to having more of the neuro experience it must have been a little bit challenging because the lens that you view things on is ortho informed without that neuro are you, are you starting to see this change i mean obviously for yourself it is but in the in the greater field in general is that starting to change i think there is
0: a want and a need for it to change i don't see that clinically yet Outside of our clinics, really. I mean, really, I get this from talking to other physical therapists at, you know, APTA, the combined sections meetings, those types of things, and really seeing what they're doing clinically and what more specifically, what they're not doing clinically. Talking to guys in the orthopedic section who really, what they want is for, they have asked me to come and do and speak and say, okay, this is the orthopedic techniques that I'm doing with. The neurologic population to try to combine those two things and really get get those silos out. So I do think that is something that they're they're looking for. That there's a need for, and I think that will come over the coming years, especially when we have you know more evidence based. Cognitive rehab therapy, more evidence-based neurologic therapy, you know, we're able to start doing some more research projects, you know, with our clinics as well and showing how, you know, we can improve the neurologic population through these orthopedic techniques and
1: the neurologic techniques. Yeah, it's awesome, right? I mean, when you think about it from the patient side, it's really a hopeful future for the patient. Right. I mean, being able to go to one place and get both of those areas actually met is is a wonderful thing because seemingly before that we would have to potentially go to different treatment providers to get access to the help that we need. And as we know, the more time that the patient waits, the further the comorbidities could add up and create a really you know, problematic
0: uh, future for that patient. Absolutely. I mean you spoke to the comorbidities. I mean, we see that with more and more of the the chronic patients that are coming in and finding us. You know, they've been in a wheelchair for a year, two years now, you know, instead of being able to come in and and, and begin working on that that functional mobility. That's where we're seeing a lot of the the orthopedic issues, the contractured hips, the contractured ankles, where they're not able to get into that dorsiflexion to get a good standing position, which causes them to be off balance, outside of even whatever neurologic balance issues they might have. So it is about correcting those orthopedic you know, positioning areas, right? In the hips and the knees and the ankles and the the back and the neck and the shoulder, right? Everywhere, everywhere along the body, get looking at the entire body, you know, both orthopedically and
1: neurologically. Well, and that's what's something that's really exciting. I think about the work you, that you're doing is, you know, many remarkable manual therapists do some of the most unbelievable orthopedic work. However, Um, On some of the lens that I've been exposed to, I think sometimes in some cases, we actually may want to start with the cognitive, then the orthopedic in some cases, because for some people, the barrier, the cognitive barrier is so high (laughs) that they're unable to access even some of the orthopedics. And that's what I've seen in some of the more profound cases where, you know, one individual had a, you know, a very severe traumatic brain injury. Ortho was unbelievable, but ortho had stalled because of cognitive dysfunction. And then once the cognitive got up to more of an average level, then the ortho could continue, the return to work could, could continue. And I think that's what's so hopeful and exciting about the work that you're doing and really bringing in some of the ABI work into, into the clinics is, okay, Now we can, now we can get both those things going at once. And that's really exciting.
0: Absolutely. And it's really something I know that you and I have spoken before this. It's something I've been looking for for the past couple of years. You know, we've had as we develop the first step recovery model that we use in all of the clinics, we developed the 10 components that we're putting into that. And one of those components is the cognitive rehab therapy. And one of the things that I've been looking for is not just like dual task training and that kind of thing, but what is some, you know, evidence-based specific training that we can do in the clinic and in, inside or outside the clinic, right, that the patients would be able to do that could improve their that cognitive health part to go along with the physical therapy side that we're doing in the clinic.
1: Yeah, amazing. I mean, that's just a very a bright future, right? In aligning all those together. Now, that's a rosy picture. That's exciting. but And maybe focus on perhaps just one or maybe two areas of frustration in the world of sort of brain health or, or allied health, rehab health.
0: Frustration-wise, I mean, really the biggest frustration for us is the information gap that's there for the patients, The patient's just not knowing what's out there. I can't tell you how many times I've had patients that come to me and say, man, I wish I had found something like this earlier, right? Something that combined all of the dysfunctions that I'm having and the information's just not out there for them to, to know where to look, to know where to go for both the physical and the cognitive, treating both the orthopedic and the neurologic, making sure that we're looking at the entire
1: person. Yeah. And, and I mean, if I could add my own little piece there, it's this, you're so right. It's this education piece that, you know, the brain has remarkable capacity for change and it really wants to heal itself. Right. I mean, that's a beautiful organ. What a beautiful, hopeful thing that is. But unfortunately, sadly, a lot of the times with good effort, and I believe good intentions, many providers are stuck in their silo and they're not necessarily aligning the interventions in a way that ultimately serves the patient in the best way that that it could. So I'm kind of with you on that. Did, anything you wanted to build on in there or did you, do you feel like you covered it?
0: No, I mean, one of the other things is I think from the practitioner side, whether it be a physical therapist, the physicians is actually looking at current research and what is out there. Right. Especially in the realm of neuroplasticity, because I know like when I first came out of PT school 20 years ago, it was one of those things where, you know, we were saying the the brain is not neuroplastic. Right. Right. you know, if they have a dysfunction, if they don't get better within these first 48 hours, or if they don't get better within the first couple of weeks or the first couple of months, they're not going to get better, right? That was what the belief, and that's what is told to us when I was in school 20 years ago. And so looking at that, you know, and moving forward, it was, it seems very interesting though that, you know, even at that time, we believed that peripheral nerves would regenerate. Right, that, that they do grow, and giving the proper environment that they can improve. But for some reason, we didn't believe that the central nervous system, whether it be the spinal cord or the brain, were going to going through the same neuroplastic changes that they would peripherally. And so, it's 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 one of those interesting things that you know. So you have someone like me. I mean, I'm about to turn forty three. So any any of the practitioners who were around the time in school around the time I was they may still have that belief. You know, I'm just going through and doing doing a Google search on, on Google Scholar. You can look in and say you see a lot of the neuroplastic research that's out there, but then you can scroll down on the first page and still see something that tells you that they're, after the age of 25, then we're not then the, the brain's not going to improve any, which is kind of nonsense. If you ask me, it's crazy. You know, it's one of those things that, that that is one of the frustrating things is having practitioners who aren't up on the current research, who aren't you know looking for the current state of where we are with cognitive health with brain health as it pertains to the entire physical
1: body well and this is a huge huge point for our team here as well is that knowledge transfer that's why we're doing you know interviews conversations like this to be able to share with people that you know the brain can change you know and and the beautiful thing is that that's not a promise that it's going to change just for the good. It also means it can change for the bad. Neuroplasticity is neutral, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's just the, the brain can change through repeated focused efforts. So, you know, and, and the, the sad part, but also exciting part of what you, what you said there so well is that a lot of this research had been sitting there for years. It was already there, <laughs> you know? It's just who takes that data and acts on it? And I think that's really interesting. That's an interesting conversation to shift gears a little bit on, is that now that we know that neuroplasticity is, is possible and, and actually quite accessible to some, then what do we do with that information? Do we let it sit in Google Scholar and say, okay, or in PubMed, well, that's wonderful, on to the next? Or how do we apply it? And I think that's a really interesting piece. Now that we know this, sometimes we'll feel called to do something about it. And that takes time, right? Absolutely,
0: it does. I mean, it takes practitioners like myself looking at the research and saying, how can this fit into what I'm already doing? And I really think that's where ABI is going to come in with our patients in the clinics that we have right now and really allow us to be able to you know, use the platform to look at the and train that, that cognitive part of the, the rehab process
1: with our patients. 100%. And it's going to be exciting to witness and to partner on. It's really powerful. You know, we all know that the thing that's really interesting is we all know the power of a good orthopedic rehabilitation process. This can get people back moving, back playing with their grandkids, you know, back to the activities of daily living that they love so much. And when that's stripped away from us, it will have a very, very negative impact on our occupation. The exciting piece, but also challenging is on the cognitive side, because people don't know what's possible until they've experienced it. But on the cognitive side, the same is true. And that's really exciting. We spend a lot of time, and this is, again, kudos to you and many of the people that are doing really innovative work, not just with ABI, but many other groups that are doing cool things in this space. Kudos to you. Way to go. Because I think it takes that leadership, that action to inform The next providers, the next people that are out there, the next people treating people with concussion, treating people post-stroke, the brain has been and is possible of remarkable change. But what oftentimes is lacking is a good system to scale that, I think. I think that can be challenging. And that's a fair criticism, I think, of some of the work. But that's why we've been so mindful in our processes, trying to help organizations to bring this in and have it fit in wherever they feel is fit. So I, I think that you know, it's interesting that we spend so much time focusing on the, on the body, but sometimes we lose, we lose sight on the fact that the brain is actually controlling the body. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: And really, I think we're going to see more and more of this as a need, as the population, you know, that the age goes up, we're looking at more dementias and Alzheimer's and and on top of the strokes and the brain injuries and that type of stuff. And then really, you know, the concussions is a big, big hot topic right now. and really looking at, you know, we're not just, all right, get back out there as soon as you feel better, but I'm really looking at, okay, do we have any other ongoing cognitive things that are going on? And is there something that we can do to, you know, one prevent and then two treat, right. As that, w- whatever symptoms there are with that, because it is a wide range of different types of
1: symptoms that we see both cognitively and physically. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and something that I think you've done a really good job of is you brought in really proper, you know, cognitive assessment. I think that's a big, you know, for those of you listening, that's a that's a great area to focus to is looking at some of the great work of of Krios and and their organization, really looking at proper cognitive, objective, validated cognitive assessment. What led you down that road, Josh, to really bring in proper brain based assessments? Really? I mean,
0: it was one of those that we we always knew that the mind and body work together. Right. And it was always one of our components that we're trying to put in. And I was looking I mean, really, it was two, three, four years ago. We're looking at, okay, what do we have that can really assess or treat cognitively? And that's when we ran. That's when we found cryos Um, and we're able to, you know, Put that into our program just as an assessment, right? And look at that each progress note and say, okay, are the techniques that we're doing in the clinic right now are are they helping to improve the cognition of the patients? And then you know, building on that, looking at okay, now what? Now that we can assess, is there something that we can do to more specifically and evidence
1: based treat the patients as well on on the cognitive side of it? Amazing. Amazing. Listen up, folks. That's a, that was a really, I think, a really interesting and uh, wise move to do that because even understanding the impact of some of the orthopedic stuff on the brain is very, very wise because I, I do believe, I'm biased though, but I do believe that the, you know, the focus on the brain is only at the tip of the iceberg right now. And I think we're going to see a real, it, it's going to be exciting. We're going to see a real opportunity for more treatment modalities to help to treat the mind and the brain. And I think that's very exciting for the future. There's such a focus on mental health, which is great and super important. And a lot of it is rooted in education, which is also really important. That's the start. But it can be also problematic for some because that same siloed nature also exists there.
0: Yeah. And as you know, looking at it just from the cognitive side or the the mental health side of it, just physical activity can be beneficial, right? So it, it doesn't need to be a silo there for either one right? You're looking from the cognitive side. Okay. How can physical activity improve the oxygenation, improve the blood flow and all those types of things into the brain. And then from the physical side, how is the cognitive health helping with the
1: actual physical functional mobility of the patients? Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, wouldn't even get started. That'll be another episode, but we're looking at, you know, top performance, peak performance, right? Training that up cognitively and physically, that's exciting as well. And it's a, you know, there's a very, very big industry in that already. Now, I'm always curious when I get really smart people on here and, and talking about their experience and their lived experience, and you're really only just getting started here, right? You're at it and you're going to be building and building and building. What were some of your most key influences along the road? It could be a professor, it could be a loved one, it could be a book, it could be a movie. Was there maybe one or two influences that helped to inspire you?
0: Sure. Like I I mentioned before, I went to the University of St. Augustine, and I was actually there when Stanley Paris, who started the school, was there. And so he brought a lot of the manual therapy techniques that we have that we were taught in school. And I know one of the things that he really liked to focus in on, and he'd come back and do our our orals and our practicals and all of those types of things, is the, the head and neck. And he was looking at cranial therapy and looking at you know doing inhibitive distraction to try to improve blood flow up into the head and and to you know release the tension of the on the nerves going up into the cranial base. And so really a, a lot of the head and neck techniques that I use in our step one first step recovery model I've gleaned from from those types of manual therapies. One of the other things that I did when I first started at first step was I was given the opportunity to train in Connecticut with the integrative manual therapy school in Connecticut with Dr. Sharon Giamatteo. And really in doing that, it showed me a different side of one physical therapy and manual therapy, less of the manipulations and more of the soft tissue. So now we were looking at you know, myofascial releases and strain counter strain releases and really putting those in. What I was able to do was, was see how, okay, we're not siloed into the, just the, the manipulation. We're not siloed into just the soft tissue, but how can we combine both of those things? And how can we do, how can they work hand in hand in conjunction with, you know, looking at the soft tissue and the connective tissue and how can I do a myofascial release or strain counter strain release or positional release, and then how can I then go in and do a manipulation and make that manipulation so much easier and more effective, or improve blood flow into that area? So yeah, I think especially manual therapy wise, it was a it was interesting to be able to take the the strict orthopedics of Stanley Paris and then the looking at what Dr. Sharon Matteo was doing and combining those two
1: things for our for our program. Super cool. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. It's so, it's so great to have mentors, you know, especially mentors. It's, it's powerful when they're mentors, you, you, you have the opportunity to serve directly under. I think that's really, really cool. So for people that are out there and they're listening to this and they're going, okay, I'm liking what I'm hearing here. How do people get a hold of you if they, you know, are looking for care, if they have a loved one, or maybe they want to work with you? <laughs> you know, how do people get a hold of you? Sure. I mean, the easiest
0: way to get a hold of me directly would be email dr.davis at firststeppt.com. Also looking at, you know, looking at our website, firststeppt.com, you can go through and check out all of our, all of our clinics there. Again, we have three in the, in the Atlanta area, Fayetteville, Marietta and Roswell. And then we have one in Buffalo, New York, and we are looking to expand later this year as well in in Georgia. So yeah, the easiest way email dr.davis at
1: firststeppt.com. And that'll be clickable listeners. So you'll be able to just click through right on that. And, you know, I encourage you to check out their work. You know, Josh and his team, it's not just Josh. He's got a good team. They're committed. And I've toured the clinics, one of the clinics in Marietta, Georgia, and I met some of the patients and I met their families. And that's powerful for me to see that because that's part of, well, you know me, that's why I'm in this work is because of the the individuals and, and helping them to have the agency to do something under the care of good people, good good professionals to help them challenge themselves towards a better future. And I think that's something that I admire about you is your inquisitiveness, but also your action bias. Because again, coming back to the research, it's actually maybe more convenient sometimes to just say, okay, neuroplasticity, that's possible. Okay, the <laughs> I'm an orthopedic guy. I don't really do that. You know, I, you know it's pretty easy to do that. So I, I really acknowledge you for, for doing that because the other part that's kind of scared sighting is what's the next one after that, right? Because surely we're going to keep discovering. And I think that's that's pretty exciting as well. Absolutely. I think the whole the whole thing's very exciting.
0: When you look at combining all of these things, taking the silos down, I think that it's it can only be beneficial to the patients and that's what we're looking at, right? And and in the end that's what's most important is how can we get these guys you know, better, quicker, faster, and, and as, as functional and improve the quality of life as much as we can.
1: Unbelievable. I mean, it's a pretty surreal moment for me, you know, here I am talking with you in the greater Atlanta area. And, you know, my lens into this work started with an individual that came from Southern California who had persisting symptoms following a traumatic brain injury at birth in their in the, in the right prefrontal cortex. And here we are now, talking <laughs> about this and 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 making some of the programs that that, that we leaned into with Barbara Aerosmith Young and, and Howard Eaton and the whole team now making it more accessible to allied health professionals is just pretty awesome. And you know kudos to you and the other innovators out there. You know, reach out to us if you want to learn more uh, about this work. Reach out to Josh, reach out to me. If you know people that are out there you know doing great things, we want to hear from you because uh, we're trying to build a network of you know people that want to take down the silos and and really help more people and you know josh is such a great wonderful example of it so if this episode had held value for you i ask that you just download it you share it within your community if you know people in the Atlanta area you know share it please with them if they're over there in buffalo or anywhere really share it because unfortunately not everybody's aware of these options yet they will be though it's coming and these things take time we have to be patient but do share the information. Any any final words there, Josh? That you want to do? You want to end with? I mean, I think that it is a. <laughs> even though we went through our
0: frustrations with the healthcare field, I think it is a message of hope, right? I think it is a. It is. You know us looking at, yes, there is neuroplasticity. there is something that we can do to treat and assess brain functioning, and that it does you know coincide with what we're already doing um physically in, in on the physical side of it. So I think that th- that's the biggest,
1: biggest message is that yes, something can be done. yeah, I think it's amazing. Well, I mean, we'll see everybody on the next episode. I want to thank you. I want to thank everybody for your continued work and support. And have an awesome week. And we'll see everybody next week. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the Brain Mastery podcast. We're super grateful for the community of supporters of this podcast. Again, this podcast was designed with an intention and an objective, and that was to share stories of rehabilitation, of recovery from brain injury, to really interview some of the leaders out there to provide more hope to community members. So thank you again for all of the support with that. If this episode resonated for you and had value for you, we just ask please download and share it. Please also, if you wouldn't mind, rate the podcast. Those ratings really matter and help us to spread the message. If you're a clinical provider out there, meaning a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, or somebody who just works with people with brain injury and want to learn more about the BEARS platform, we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to do so. Just go to www.abiwellness.com to learn more about how to get involved. Our training is very accessible and we've tried to make it very, very easy for people to get access to this rehabilitation platform. Thank you again for your support and we'll see you on the next episode. The statements made regarding the BEARS platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the BEARS platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The BEARS platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.